Welcome to episode 747 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode uh, 747 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. How about yourself? Oh, you know, top of the morning. Top of the morning? Top of the morning to you. Got my Christmas shopping done? Pretty happy about that. Good. All of it? Yeah. Have you got yours done? Getting a Christmas haircut? I'm not sure what's happening with my hair, John. No, nor am I. No, it's just, it just keeps growing. Yeah. So that, that's a good thing. But no, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... The Legends brand. Tell you what, if you want some cool gear, check out The Legends brand. We'll be talking about those guys later on in the show. We've also got some uh, patrons, John. You've done the copy and paste, have you? I have Rob the Key Lockwood. Uh, we've got Anne uh, Thong Fies. Uh, Thomas the Barge Deary. Uh, we've got Joe Aragon Spriggins. Nice work. Yeah, Joe always wears the cool hat. Okay, and this week's show, we've got some news. We've got Hot Topic of the Week. We've got an interview. We are talking to Joe Skipper. So this, this show is largely going to be dominated by Challenge Daytona. He's not there racing, but he gives us some insight into that and also his uh, year to date. Why is he not there racing? I'm sure he talks about it. You'll hear about that yeah. later on. Okay, uh, high five at the end and quick questions and answers and winger of the week. Jumbo, this weekend, is the biggest race we've had in 2020. By a long but shot. Probably one of the only races we've had in 2020, but it's great to have this race on. So Challenge Daytona is happening this weekend. Uh, let's get into it, John. It is the PT. 2020 championships uh, so essentially what that means is lots of prize money which is great uh, so it's going to be held in Daytona for those of you who don't know that's in Florida um, that's about as far as my geography lesson will go uh, the course is going to be quite interesting uh, so they it's in the Daytona Speedway um, which means that there's a, actually a lake in the middle so they do a 2k swim two laps of 1k each then there's an 80k bike ride they're doing 20 laps of four kilometers um and this is a speed 20 laps of four is that is it, is it four k's around the track is it it is um so, so when you, if you're thinking race car tracks for people that don't follow any sort of daytona or any american i sports, saw days of thunder when i was a kid mm. that's about as far as i know of racing did you watch that yes tom yep. cruise yeah so, so this is a speedway as opposed to like a Formula One racetrack. So when we've had races in the past, say in Dubai and places like that, where you know you go around the track and it's got twists and turns, this is literally uh, a sort of an oval um, course. So it's just going to be straight line, corner, straight line, corner, 80 k's, 20 laps. And then the run is 18 k's, uh, four laps of 4.5 k, which is more or less a, a lap of the... The, the track, but it's just got a little bit of a sort of a dog leggy type bit in the middle. How big's the field? Uh, they've got about a hundred and let's have a look. I think there's, there's about sixty men, and uh, let's have a quick look. And it's there not drafting, is isn't it? Fifty-eight men on the start list, and there is forty-seven females. Non-drafting race. Non-drafting. So this is going to be interesting on this course. It is because so there's going to be lapping. Yeah, you you uh, you definitely. Th- think somebody's going to get lapped some of the tail enders for sure yeah um, but they are all of a very high standard you know True. There's, there's you can't just enter this one at ironman races you know we we often talk about these pros that are you know not even cracking nine hours for the guys on a on the quick courses here everyone's of a pretty high standard so i would still think you will get somebody lapped 
but it shouldn't be too widespread. I don't know. Four K lap mm. over eighty Ks. Mm. Give me a few laps out there. No, four K takes a little bit of time. I mean, you've got to be, you know, they're yeah, but be, coming off a good swim. Yeah. So, the, so if, if, you, if you're going forty K an hour, they're going quicker than that. It's a minute and a half a K. Um, so that means you've got to be six minutes down. So we could definitely see it towards the the end. Yeah. Um, hopefully nobody's six minutes down coming out of the swim. Otherwise, they are. Do not deserve to be there. Uh, so what I'm probably interested in is is, is um, how things pan out on the bike. And you'll hear Joe Skipper talk about this a bit later on. So I'm assuming, and I haven't looked into this, there's going to be a 20-metre draft zone because Challenger are good at doing that. Yep. And in this uh, setting, should be relatively easy to implement. Um, what I'm going to be interested to see is whether or not they've been innovative with the rules and whether or not you can ride two abreast or anything like that because you've got this big wide track. Um, so will you have to ride in a pace line and just pass like you're on the road, pass on the outside and then come back in? Um, or are you going to allow people to ride more than how, 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 I know nothing about the track, but I know they go up, yeah. kind of like a cycle to a velodrome, not as steep obviously, but how, how I wonder how far out it is in a kind of straight where you can ride side by side because mm. you wouldn't want to be allow people to be right next to each other, would you? Well, no, you've, in the draft zone, you've got a box that you've got to be outside yeah. of. So, yes, you would need to be several metres up the track. And I've got – my knowledge is about the same as yeah. yours. Zero when it comes to – Does it go in and out or does it pretty much go straight up? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. So, don't know. I'm going to be interested to see that because you've got to think about this. You know, you just do the old math on it. This is going to be a highly competitive field. It's only a 2K swim. So, a, you're going to have big groups coming out of the swim together – and if you've got a pace line with 30 guys in it at 20 metres, that's a very long way. Oh, actually, John, if we scroll down that page a little bit more, they've got the course video. Yeah, so. I know. I've had a look at that. It just goes round and round, so it's not that <laughs> riveting. But that's going to be a really long line of cyclists. And we've seen this in Kona. You know, maybe in Kona, you might have 15 to 20 guys in a line. But if you want to go to the back, to the front, that's going to require a huge amount of effort, uh, and you can't yeah, cut in. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? So I think that's going to be really, really interesting to see. The so when you get out of the it. pool, let's say you're, you, you know, you're pretty distant the lake. on the lake. If you're a pretty distant swimmer. You want to kind of be aggressive to get to the front pack, don't you? In front mm-hmm. of the pack. Yeah, and if you're one of the weaker swimmers, you're just going to have to bloody haul ass when you're going past a line of 15 to 20 athletes so if the 20 meter rule is instigated and enforced uh it is changes the the race significantly if they're uh, slack on it and let it be sort of 10 to 8, eight to 10 meters if, if if that's the ruling then uh then it's going to become a running race this course video is quite funny because mm. because <laughs> it just got the thing going around the lap each time round, round, <laughs> it's round. Like, okay we get it <laughs> you got to do so many laps uh okay prize money so prize money is really interesting we've got some good paydays for the top end but they're paying from 25th through to 60 so everyone's going to walk away with at least two and a half thousand dollars us that's right so hundred thousand dollars for first 70 for second 50 35 30 25 23 20 18 17 so still worth your while going you know uh if you're in the top 10 and if even if you're in the top 20 you're probably going to you know e- easily cover your expenses um, and even if you're in the 20th to 60th then you might just scrape by depending on uh, how far afield you've got to travel so 
awesome uh, that there's lots of prize money up. Uh, and when it comes to the start list, you know, maybe first we look at who's not there. Um, yeah. So we don't have uh, Frodo, Langer, uh, are probably your two really notable omissions on the men's. Uh, don't know why. Maybe they're injured. Maybe they just didn't want to do it. Uh, then Joe Skipper's not there, who you heard from. Um, and he was a top 10 in Kona the last couple of years. Braden Curry is not there, so he's one of our top Kiwis who's been in the top 10 um, in Kona. So those were the main omissions, you know, not really many Kiwis or, or no Kiwi men, I don't think, and uh, only one or two Kiwi females. It, 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 Frodo and Langer not being there. Is a bit, like Langer maybe not so much, but Frodo not there. Langer's Fro- pretty good. Yeah, well, hey, you're a big fan. Yeah. So you should show people the tattoo you got. Um, yeah. Is he good enough? Yeah, he's the he won South Africa to oh, Langer or Frodo? Langer. Um, no, he's not good at fully work except Kona. <laughs> he's just a runner. Just a runner. No, he's awesome. Um, but, is, but is he good in half? He wouldn't have been a contender. Here. Okay, so so you know Langer not being there is you know not that much of a bummer. Frodo mm. not being there is a bit of a bummer. It is. Yeah, because it is a rock star race. Mm. And and Reef not being there as well. But it's still pretty good. You know when they've got pretty much everybody else uh, on the female side. No Reef. So females is a is a bit of a bummer when you haven't got Reef and Charles, who are two of the biggest uh, names on the female side. Flora Duffy was racing, but she's uh, injured. And then we haven't got our Kiwi Teresa Adam there. So again, a few Kiwis and Aussies and uh, other athletes that haven't made the trip over. So it is a very, very strong field. You know, you'd have to get the stats guys out to say, is this the strongest ever half Ironman field we've had? You'd say it's got to be pretty much on par um so exciting times pto have been doing some really good videos and so i got into the media hub the other day and i watched the, the did have you been in the yet? no it's actually really good but they had a jonathan brownlee interview and i'm sure you can see if i can see it but yeah no they're releasing those sort yeah. of daily now yeah so but it was a little bit sad because he still just wants to beat his brother yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and it was a little bit like it must be a bummer when you're a great great athlete mm. but you're still in the shadow yeah, you know what I mean because it was even like when he, what, what, he goes oh for me you know what do we want from the races and he's like oh uh, you know to beat, to beat Alistair would be and you kind of think wow you know well that's what he's got to do probably to win the race because uh, I think Alistair Brownie's probably your, your race favourite and so but this is just interesting isn't it you know like mm. your comparison point can sometimes kind of hurt you in a way really you know mm. like he wasn't he didn't look sad when he was saying it but you kind of you just think wow what an interesting life okay let's talk about the dynamic of the race John Yes, so I think it could be interesting um, in terms of the ITU crew versus the Uber bikers. It's fairly predictable that at the front of the race, you're going to have Brownlee, um, Gomez, Vincent Louie, pretty much all the ITU guys are going to come out at the front and then you probably have the the good sort of 70.3 Ironman swimmers in the next group and then you're going to have the the weaker swimmers. So like Sanders, has he got any chance? Well, Joe Skipper thinks so, as you'll hear later on. So... um, but that front group is going to be driven by Alistair Brownlee, no doubt, and, and seeing if they can really slam it down on the bike. And I'm pretty sure they'll get caught, but how long it takes for people to catch them uh, is going to be interesting. Uh, so hopefully we have a really good hard bike ride and then it doesn't just become a running race between the ITU guys. Um, but then, you know, and you're going to have that third group of Langer, Cam Worth, maybe Langer's Ken Lay, not, not Langer, um, Sanders, Sanders, Keenlay, um, guys like that who who are the Uber bikers, and whether they can actually bike through the field. They didn't manage to do it at say seventy point three worlds. Not all of them were there. Um, it's not a technical course. Not a technical it's course. Fast, it's fast, just going to be slamming fast and it. flat. So guys race 
yeah, really interesting. Females race is really quite wide open. You've got Holly Lawrence, who's going to be one of the hot favourites, and she often just cranks it on the bike. But yeah, um, I think Nicholas Spirig will be the, the so one who's driving the, the pace. Sorry? Are you picking Brownlee? I would probably pick Brownlee. It's just hard to know what sort of form people are in. You know Brownlee's in good form. Yeah, which, which yeah, you worth spent some money on. So, But my pick would have been Gustav Eden if he's in great shape. So he won 70.3 Worlds last year. So if he's in great shape, he's my pick, but I don't know. So I'm going to go Gustav Eden, Alistair Brownlee, Javier Gomez is going to be my three. So the thing is, surely these guys are in peak for this race. You think so? It's been a funny old year, though. But it's been a funny old year, but this has been on the runway for a long time. Mm. Like, they did announce it pretty early on, and everyone else, what else has been happening? Well, the ITU guys have been doing the ITU racing, oh, so they've, they've focused on this probably for the last um, four weeks So they're going to so. be in peak? So they're, they're going to be in good shape, speed-wise, endurance-wise, this is kind of in between. So yeah, that's, that's what brings the element of interest in here. You don't know what sort of shape everybody's in, and it's not anybody's sort of specialist distance um but yeah whilst i'm saying gustav eden i think alistair brownie looks like he's on pretty good form and he's going to be aggressive and he's going to be in the mix all day so if it doesn't come down to a pure running race i think he's going to be very hard to beat that's pretty pretty much stating the obvious though isn't it well uh, well no we would, i don't think we would have said that six months ago no you no. know i think his latest results have kind of kind of shifted the the favor towards him a little bit on on torsten's try rating uh you he he doesn't include the ITU guys that haven't done a half Ironman, the likes of Jonathan Brownlee and Vincent Louis, but he's got the Gustav Eden, Alistair Brownlee, Lionel Sanders, Javier Gomez, and a guy I've never heard of, Marcus Elbeck Ditlev from Denmark, Rudy von Berg, Sebastian Keenlay, Sam Appleton, Peter Hemmerich, and Daniel Beckingard as the top three. What I do like about what they're doing on the PTO hub now is, and because I don't know who this guy Ditlev is they now have got all their athletes sort of indexed on there and you can go in there and search them up and find out a little bit about them which is kind of cool which uh, is something that maybe other organizations can take a leaf out of their book it's going to, it is going to be a fascinating race the real fascinating thing is is like a Sanders a Keenley you know can they really ride up um you know because as much as Sanders is a pretty good runner as well he, you know, he, he's he's not as fast as like a Brownlee, is he? No, he's not. No, not on paper. He's, well, not on anything. He's not. But yeah. Who knows if it's a really, really hard bike ride? He could stand a chance. It is pretty cool, but you look down this list. You know, you're going down 29. You've got okay. So here's some names around the, the mid 20s. Matt Henson. This is from Thorson's try rating predictions. So Matt Henson, 27th. Tim Don, 28th. Joe Gamble's 29th. Andy Potts, 30th. Go further down. About Arnott's 34. Uh, Matt Cody, Russell, 46. Cody Beals, 38. Cam Worth, 42. You know, we've got some really, it's so, you know, Johnny Brownlee doesn't even, John doesn't even get rated. Um, and the girls, you go further down, you've got like Carrie Lester, you've got, you sort it out, mate. His, his mic's all over the place today. He's Angela Neath, we've got, you know, some, just some really good athletes. I'm blaming the setup person here. Yours never moves, and so you clearly have got no love for me, and you just don't set my mic up just to frustrate me yeah, every week. Every week. Every week. How can I frustrate Newson today? <laughs> um, Female predictions on Torsten's rating. You've got Holly Lawrence, who's uh, the top seed. She's predicted to win by a whopping two minutes over Anne Haug. So, got Anne Haug there. Um, she was just a 
beast last year in Kona. So I think she will be very hard to beat. Jodie Simpson, a ITU a sort of former glory athlete. Um, you've got Paula Finlay, who won this race last year in a really close duel with uh, Lucy Charles. I think she did. It was between those two. Sarah Crowley, Laura Phillip, Nicholas Spirig, Amelia Watkinson, Jackie Herring, and Heather Jackson. Um, and again, you scroll through the list here. You've got Meredith Kessler in 19th, Lisa Norden, 21st, um, Nikki Bartlett, 26th. Ruth Astle, um, 36, Michelle Vesterby's in there, uh, so yeah, should be, I, I'm just disappointed that Flora Duffy got injured because she could have really thrown a <clears throat> cat amongst the pigeons. Yeah, there's a random question, well, and, and um, Reef not being there. Yes. You know, come on. But uh, when is the best time of year to run a race like this, uh, when, when we're not in COVID world, where we could get athletes to actually prioritise this race across all fields? Well, 70.3 worlds is kind of the optimal timing, where you've got end of the ITU season and it's before Kona so that's the perfect time at 70.3 worlds so it's kind of got that do slot. you think they're going to be quite aggressive on this moving forward well who knows if they're going to carry on doing the million dollar prize money they haven't necessarily said that and they may move the I don't, don't know but this time of the year no it's not the best time this year lucky yeah but I just wonder if, if PTO is going to be a bit more aggressive towards Ironman if they'll put it on the same weekend as like a 70.3 world champs can't see that happening no but you want well, the, but the thing is, you want everyone to turn up strong, mm. you know, because it's kind of not really a great race if you kind of half the ITU guys have lost six weeks of fitness and is turning up to tick a box. Totally, you do want this race to be a race where everyone's turning up, kind of like a cone. Everyone's treating it pretty a race, and we can see Mano or Mano on the day who's the best athlete. So mm, interesting stuff, John. Other big news that happened this weekend? Oh no, we're gonna have a race on. Uh, hold on, let me just see if there's anything else. Oh, oh, so yeah. my female predictions, uh, I'm going Nicola Spurig uh, to take the, the win just because she's a beast on the bike and she's a very strong uh, runner. I'm going to go Spurig first, Anne Howick second, Holly Lawrence third. So when you are watching it, you can watch it for free. They ask, 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 are asking for a donation and as John was talking about last week, that donation goes to local triathlon in your region so they'll see where you're donating from and then whatever you donate will go towards your local triathlon i donated 25 dollars this morning bevan did you you're very yep. good so it starts it goes you don't have to donate the zero 25 and then i think it was 100 or 50 100 or a thousand so yeah, great. great way to help you know people that are struggling around the world in our sport to keep it alive and it does stay regional which is really cool so mm. john's money will go to the new zealand triathlon community which is great uh other race. go straight back in my pocket yeah, hopefully it goes back to john <laughs> there you go uh we're gonna have a race on john it looks like it uh so i was just did a bit of a search to see what was on this weekend the um, patagonia man was supposed to be on but that's been postponed but it does still look like there's this race down in brazil called the fodax man which is another one of these x tries takes place in santa Catarina in Brazil, um, your 4k swim, 182k of biking and 42ks of running and it looks pretty epic. The swim, what do they say about the swim? I'm pretty sure I read this yesterday, there we go. Uh, be prepared for a wide temperature variation from 5 degrees to 35 degrees Celsius. Jeez. A5 degrees is just not safe to swim in. And nor is 35, especially if you're wearing a wetsuit. Uh, and then you do a huge amount of climbing on the bike, well, 3,650 metres, so uh, pretty good chunk. And then the run, as with a lot of these X races, is uh, a big uphill with 1,250 metres of elevation on the run course. So check it out. You start in the dark, and if you want to go travelling the world doing these different X uh, tri races, they uh, look pretty cool. The only other big piece of news we have this week, and it is big news, uh, Starkey's been caught for a doping ban, it's a pretty, you've written here, it's a pretty sad story. It's, 
it's a really interesting story. Mm. So the background of it was that Starkey was about sick about two or three weeks, maybe a month before Kona. Mm. Uh, went to the doctor to get some treatment. The doctor gave him some drugs, which were on the illegal list. The doctor maybe didn't even know that, based on what I was reading. Uh, but he asked for the, what is it, the, the exemption that you get? TUE. The TUE. So he asked for the TUE. Um, in the process of getting for it, he still kept racing, even though he knew he hadn't been given permission. And one of them he didn't get, did he? So one of them he got and one of them he didn't get. You're correct. Yeah. And so... After the fact, he raced, was it Florida? He raced a couple of 70.3s uh, and then, yeah, it might have been an iron distance race. I'm not sure which one it was. Yeah. And so now he's been banned, um, which is, he's also the bans for two years. Mm-hmm. But they're saying, because the drug that he's been banned for may be taken off the, the illegal list mm-hmm. at the end of this year. So they're saying if that happens, there's a chance that they'll redo the ban after the fact. Mm. Why would he do this? Don't know. So, but in, the interesting part was it looks to me like Ironman were pushing for a four-year ban um, as opposed to to a two-year ban. So it's a sad old story this one because he, he's had an interesting career. He's just one of those guys that shit seems to happen to. You know, he's been knocked off his bike at least once, like seriously. Uh, but he's he's one of those guys. He's got a lot of colour uh, and brings a lot to the sport, both as personality. Ego, do you think and, it's an ego thing? Um. You'd have to ask him. I'm not going to just assume anything there. But it's just, he's had a funny old career in terms of his personality is really out there and been great for the sport. The way he races is really good. You know, he's often out yeah. there absolutely drilling the, the it. boy can bike. Um, and yeah, this is just really unfortunate because... But it's just bizarre. Yeah. Because you know, you know technically, until you've got that... What was it? A U, T-U- TUE, so therapeutic, TUE. therapeutic yeah. use exemption. Said, so until you got your TUE, you know you're cheating. I know mm. that he know, like and and, and slow twitch. You're not really cheating. Good, you're breaking the rules. Yeah, slow twitch did a really good article because they're kind of saying Ironman also needs to pull their socks up here because going for a four year ban was just absolutely stupid. Mm. Um, he's definitely made a mistake. He definitely probably needs to slap on his hand, but you know Ironman are being maybe a bit too hard in chasing that, which I totally understand. But is it just stupidity? Well, I think it is on his part. And the other thing that we always bitch and moan about is just inconsistencies. Like, I don't really follow this drug-taking stuff very, very closely. But you see some people getting a three-month ban for something when they've appealed it. And then so they, they're going for four years here, and now he's got two. But as you said, should he be getting a slap on the wrist, given he kind of he followed the procedure but didn't wait long enough? So it's not like he was trying to hide. He didn't get caught and go, oh, yeah, sorry, you know, I did this, this, and this. He was upfront about it. Yeah. So it just, you just want some consistent rules. And even so, the gain he was getting wasn't performance enhancing. So, you know, there was he, no, you know. He should be punished, but two years, that's a bit of a career ender. Um, Especially because he's probably getting on all stuff, mm. isn't he? Um, it's so just, anyway, it's just, just a, stupid. Yeah, stupid all round. Everybody pull their socks up. Well, one thing the article on SoTwitch did say was and uh, that Ironman is actually one of the harder organisations when it comes to drug banning. And, and you know, and they're actually, when you look at the list of kind of who gets banned and what treatment they get, Ironman are hard on that. And I don't mind that. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a bad thing if people are cheating in a way. Uh, Starkey seems to have just done... Brain explosion. Yeah, like, you just wait three weeks. Mm. You know, like, interesting. Well, obviously, I'm sure he'll live to regret it. Okay, John, let's look at this week's discussion. So it was in light of uh, we've got coming up this weekend, you know, the Daytona 
challenge race and there are it's not so much a you need to pay it's more of a donation to support out sort of covid um, affected individuals around the world and organizations but i was sort of wondering you know would you pay to watch the kona live coverage mm. each year and if so what were the maximum dollars you would be prepared to pay okay. so greg house said i reckon i'd pay 20 bucks us or thereabouts to be honest though how big is the audience to watch an eight-hour event when there's only about 30 minutes of truly exciting action if they had a live camera on every probe's bike then we'd get to see more action it's an interesting point isn't it Tim Tassie's got uh, as you can get a month of Disney Channel for $5.99 no this pound I would not justify more than that for a one off race now if they got together with the PTO Super League Xterra and ITU and bundled all the coverage into an ongoing subscription that might be interesting unrelated I think Xterra would be good TV prospect if they could make a winning series like Cyclocross uh, is to road cycling could mix hard muddy northern hemisphere courses with delicious tropical islands use Super League style races I agree I think that would be cool to have a hub where you could get all your triathlon stuff in one place yeah. so there have been some websites that have kind of done that with pulling documentaries and stuff but they've often been free so you don't actually need to pay for them well, and, and what's the ITU World Triathlon Triathlon Live Triathlon yep. Live that's, that's the ITU version of it isn't it mm. um, Gavin Tate I would pay to pay if the coverage was much better take a look at Super League Triathlon ITU and Red Bull Mountain Bike they can do it but Ironman seems intent on minimising costs reducing quality and all the while maximising quali- maximising profits while at the same time not listening uh, to what their customers want uh, good old, I'm going to say, Amori La Chapelle. I would watch it if it was on TV and I could just flip between the channel. However, I would only pay if it, if it was my old buddy Nick was racing. Nick Mallet, they would have to lift the broadcast standard a hell of a lot before I chip in with some cash. Uh, have you done Brian Lefeu? No. Uh, $10 Canadian would be my max for Kona, but let's not give them any ideas. I doubt the coverage would improve for a paid audience, and we already get what is uh, what we get for free. I bought the annual pass for the World WTS Series for a number of years now, and that's very much worth the 20 euros or whatever it is. I, what do you pay for a year? It's something like that. It's... it's you just go, yep, that's fine. I'm getting a whole year's worth of coverage there. What's well, funny? Yeah, okay, we'll, um, we'll talk about that soon. Um, I'd also pay to watch something like Daytona, probably more, but I'd like uh, than I'd pay for Kona. I guess it all boils down to excitement, e.g., more dollars. Ryan Curvin, I would happily pay if it meant great production of the race, which leads to promoting our amazing sport. Fifteen to twenty dollars at the current stand, but would pay more if it increased in quality and could be streamed at a time that suited. Well, that's not going to happen. Well, well, they can't change the race just to suit him. No, when it's streamed to suit, so you're not going to get spoilers and things like that, so you can log on to whatever platform oh, it's going to be okay, and you go, go from the start. It's, you know, because it, it starts at, this weekend, for example, Challenge Daytona, if you're in the UK, you know, it's in the middle of the night. Um, so if you can get up. But a lot of streaming services do that. I've just got a Spark yeah. Sport for cricket and you go to it and it goes. Oh, you took the, the plunge. I did too. Um, <laughs> but you do, you, you know, when you go to the, the thing, it says go from a start or go from, mm. you know, so do that. That's what he's asking for. Um, Martin Waits got, uh, I can buy a day on Now TV or Sky Sports for £10 and that would be, that's £13, but giving everyone else, wait, but given everyone else seems to pay £20, I'd say it's a fair bit to call me a cheapskate. Shane Club says, nope, sponsors should pay. So that's obviously a different model. Yeah. More like the current model, I guess. Uh, lots of people are coming at £20 or $20. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Hursley just goes walk down the end of the street and watch it. It's because he lives there. Final one I do will be... Do, do, do. 
Uh, let's find one. Uh, Lynette is Tani. No, they make enough money and it's a disgrace that they use plastic everything at the Welcome and Awards dinner for the World Championships. Good old young Sam Wolves got, uh, yes, as long as they use the money uh, to improve the production value, which they have done quite a lot lately, I'd be willing to pay $50 New Zealand. He's a poor student. Sam, come on. Loaded, mate. You're loaded. (laughs) It was a stunning production. John. Um, Firstly, for, for Kona, I'd probably pay... In the current format, you know, maybe 20 bucks. If they were going to up their game and really lift it, I'd pay a bit more in terms of having, you know, more athlete profiles, more cameras, etc. Can't see it happening, but I'd, I'd pay for the current format, but I certainly wouldn't want to pay for any of the other races that they coverage. I just, the Ironman Live Facebook coverage of races around the world, I think that's, it was really nice, but it's, who really watches it? Very few. I'd probably, I'd be happy to have a bit for, you know, if it covered the regional races, regional championship races and Kona, um, I'd be prepared to chip in, but it wouldn't be a ginormous amount. I'm just thinking, would I be willing to pay for it? Because back in the day, I would watch a whole, a whole Kona day. Mm. You know, back in the day. Nowadays, I come and go on the day. Mm-hmm. I will watch the last part of the run, but I kind of, I'm coming and going. And... With social media and all those types of things, you, you pretty much get that anyway. You don't get the live coverage. So I'd probably be willing to pay maximum. Oh, I'm thinking in my heart saying 10. Right. I think they'd need to package it up as well and have you know like a three-day coverage you know, in terms of pre-race interviews and really package it up. Because um, I'm thinking like 20, I'd kind of go, uh, I'll just get on the net. cheap case, aren't we? <laughs> but, but I'm being honest. Yeah, you know, like totally. I think if, I, if I go 999, yeah, you know what? Do it. Yep. No, 20, I'm kind of going, uh, I'm probably going to watch an hour of it. And if it was 40 or 50? Oh, there's no way. No way. That is your threshold. There's no way I'm going, like 20, 20 if it was like a really fascinating year. Yeah. You know, like when we had, um, when Alistair was there and, you know, and you Throw thought, it was, you know, you kind of go, or a real rock star year, you might go, yeah, I might chop out 20 because this year really interests me. But if it's a pretty stock standard year, I think 10 is probably my price point. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I've just bought Spark Sport for cricket, mm-hmm. as I was saying last week on the show, and it's going to cost me, I'll use two months, mm-hmm. so it's going to cost me 50 bucks, mm-hmm. and I'll probably, I'll probably watch, I'll probably end up watching seven or eight games, mm-hmm. some games I'll watch a whole lot of, some games I'll come in and out of, so that's probably when you think about it, I'm paying about $7 a game, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that's probably a fair price point for me. We've got to remember we are cheap asses, uh, but I don't think they're going to go down this pay, pay model because... It's going to be so few people are going to pay for it. So I think they're better off, um, you know, trying to get sponsors on board and, and leverage it that way rather than using the sort of pay per view model. You know, everyone talks about improving production value. The problem is when you're doing a nine hour race or an eight hour race, it's mm. what more can you do? Mm. It's more cameras. Yeah. Is, is the key thing. So then you don't. Then you've got more variety rather than just going right. We're going to follow the leader for five to ten minutes. Then you're able to chop and change. And I would love to know. What the production costs were for Kona Day mm. and then for the package they put on to mainstream TV. Mm-hmm. You know, because as we, um, we were talking about last week with Barry, um, they pay a lot to get that on TV. Mm. But well, I would just wonder what the production costs. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're paying to get it on TV, which would be, ooh, which is great advertising for them. Mm. But um, although I wonder, it's a really interesting question. Do you think the Kona coverage, the, the video that we all fell in love with of like the Hoyts and that, 
when we only had like, you know, five oh. channels, which was a really powerful marketing tool, I wonder if it still is effective in, you know, because I don't even know what's put on nowadays. Yeah, I think it's still on NBC. Or but I think it's on NBC Sport now, isn't it? It's yeah. not on like a mainstream. Mm. It certainly wouldn't be as effective. Is it still effective enough to warrant the cost? I'd probably say, yeah. You yeah. know, by the time it's, it sits on YouTube and all the different places that it's going to be over the years, I think it's... Um, Freakonomics are doing this yeah. really good series right now called um, is, value, is Marketing a Waste of Money. And, and they're kind of proving that it really is. It's quite fascinating. Mm. Um, I'd be interested to see where, where IMM Marketing's dollar is most effectively spent. Mm. Anyway, John, uh, this week's discussion. This week's discussion... Um, Yesterday I got a phone call from, from the guy that's sort of running our local swimming pool and he's, they set up this little challenge where you're doing, you've got to do a 400 once a week and then increase the number of 400s you do. So like you do, first couple of weeks is nothing. So you're doing like a 400, then the next week you've got to do two, then you do three the next week and then four, five, six. And if you get up to 16, you get a little bonus. So we actually started with three this morning. We went crazy. So so what, three sets of 400? Just three 400s. So, but the idea is you can't miss a week. So next week we've got to do four. And then okay. the week after you've got to do five. Decision. Yep. And okay. the next week you've got to do six. So the first four or five weeks, no problem. Um, but as you That's actually kind of cool way of doing a challenge because you, you want to get people kind of caught up in it. And you can't stop. If you stop, you got to yeah. go back to zero. Yeah. Um, and I said, oh, you should do a hundred set. So wait, it takes 16 weeks? Yeah. Basically summer, you know. Yeah, okay. um, and so I said, oh, you should do a hundred. I'm sure I'd get a few people doing a hundred one hundred. So that's quite a good challenge. And so it's all on. December 23rd, we're doing a hundred one hundreds at the pool. Ooh. Bit of pre-Christmas celebration. So who won't be there, John? You. Can we stop timekeeping or you can hand out the snake lollies and stuff like that? So the question here is, what is your festive season or celebration session? So I was saying we're doing 100 100s uh, as our Christmas challenge. We used to do a Boxing Day ride, um, which was about 180 k's. used to ride to Akarara and back. So any sort of classic sort of birthday or festive type sessions you guys do. Okay, John, we're going to interview. Oh, do you want to, let's just sponsor first, eh? We're going to go the Legends brand. We've got a legend coming up in Joe Skipper, um, but the Legends brand, I I went a bit of clothes shopping last week, Bevan. Back up. <laughs> My clothes are going back today. Oh, really? I, I went to a real sport and got a couple of items. A bit iffy. I was like, oh, I don't know about these. Got them home to Blunder and she's, yeah, don't know, take them back. What, 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 did you go cheap? Uh, well, they're, no, they're more functional why, clothes. Why did, why, did you, why did you get it wrong? Well, I got a pair of just sort of warm-up pants because I kind of need them for race directing and, yeah. and I kind of already had a similar pair and I thought this pair looked a little bit better. Yeah. Got home and said, no, nah, they look the same. Just yeah. take them back. Uh, and I got a pair of shorts as well and then when I actually got them home and put them on running shorts, they didn't have a very good cut on them. Uh. And so anyway, but if I'd been smart, you go to the Legends brand and use the promo code IMT20, get 20% off. Um, the Legends brand, they've got a whole collection of different apparel, just more sort of casual apparel, shorts, um, T-shirts, Although uh, you can train it still. can train yeah. it. Um, but it look, looks awesome. It's supported by some of the big names in American sports, guys like Baker Mayfield, Matt Barnes, Steve Nash, and even Quavo from the Me- the, um, the Migos. Uh, so go Th- check it out. It's funny because we don't know who Quavo is, eh? No. Oh, even Quavo? Oh, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> but go to legendsbrand.com slash IMT, use promo code IMT20, and you can get some stylish code clothes, and then you won't get your wife at home and myself. I'm not putting the blame on Blunder going... Are these clothes a bit iffy? Just get the Legends ones. They've given Bevan's given them the uh, the tick of approval. Oh, I, style I, approval. I really like it because I'm the thing for me is I like simple, nice fitting clothes. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And the thing about their gear is it's not big and loud, so it's not you know you know. And some people like big and loud, but it's just really nice fit, really nice cut, really you know nice little logos on them. Um, and you know, it's the kind of gear that you want to train in. Exactly. Yeah. So it's check out legendsbrand.com. Again, the discount code only happens for our American listeners. But uh, if you are, even if you are outside of America, I'm sure you can still check it out. And uh, you know, make sure you use that discount code for our American listeners so you can get a discount. Get some cool gear so you look cool as an athlete. John, we're going to interview. We have Joe Skipper, here crowd favourite. Crowd favourite, here he is right now. Righto, team. Um, we've got one of the crowd favourites back on the show today, uh, Joe Skipper. He's last season, uh, towards the end of the year, he had some amazing results with a sixth place in Kona, then went over and absolutely it at Ironman Florida and then he came down our neck of the woods and uh, had a little warm up in Wanaka but then uh, absolutely smashed Ironman New Zealand in record time and obviously since then that was probably one of the last iron distance races we had before sort of all the lockdowns around the world we've had a couple since but that was um, the last one sort of in the southern hemisphere so welcome along to the show Joe. Cheers mate thanks very much it was it was actually the last Ironman anywhere before uh, Covid hit yeah, and a good you, you southern hemisphere, but anywhere in the world. Yeah. So, um, what 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 did you get up to in the early stages of lockdown? You know, once once the, we didn't really know what the hell was going on in the world. Um, and I know you you, you tried a few um, fairly crazy things, but sort of tell us about your approach in the in the, the early months and and how that sort of progressed into I guess the last few months. Well, so on the way out to um, New Zealand. I remember it was just kicking off in China and um, on the way out, just before I travelled to New Zealand, um, uh, you guys, New Zealand, banned travel from China. Mm. Um, I remember my stopover, stopover was in Hong Kong and this was about two days before I travelled and I thought, oh no, I wonder if I'm even going to get to New Zealand. And um, where, even when I got on the flight, I didn't know if I was going to get to Hong Kong and then, and then hear that I wasn't going to be allowed into New Zealand because of um, a tra- you know a stopover in Hong Kong. But managed to get into uh, New Zealand and um, at that point it wasn't really there wasn't really any cases I don't think in Europe and uh, America and it was kind of like just China and around them countries and then gradually towards the end of my time in New Zealand it started spread into a few cases in America and then uh, a few cases in uh, Europe I think it actually just started to explode in Italy and uh, yeah then I got back to to, to England and I was after New Zealand I was going to race Ironman South Africa but I thought I'm not not going to book any flights at the moment because it seems like it's starting to kick off and um, you were hearing that some races were getting cancelled and I thought well I'm just going to wait until like the week before the race and uh, if everything's all good then uh, then I'll book it and I think this was only three weeks after New Zealand and uh, yeah in the space of three weeks the world went from you know it being a little bit in Europe and a little bit in America and mainly in like China and everywhere to like exploding all over Europe, America getting massive outbreaks and the world just literally going into complete lockdown. It was absolutely crazy um, how quick everything went. And I know that you, you know, initially, you probably were trying to figure out what you were going to do and, and I don't know, some of us maybe naively were thinking that it wouldn't last uh, too long and we'd maybe get back to racing. Um, but after a while, you started to get him some pretty crazy challenges you know you were doing some some Zwifting Zwift racing I think I saw you on one of the Ironman virtual reality um, races as well but then from memory I think you went out did you do like a 12 a hour UK record or on the bikes t- tell us about some of the things that you did uh, once you sort of got your head around what you were doing and, and some of the challenges you you set yourself so yeah I did um, 
I did the Zwift Pro Tri League uh, when they set that up, which was um, uh, a road racing league. I think there was four races in total over four weeks, and that was for specifically for triathletes. Um, that was really good. Um, like you mentioned, the, the Ironman VRs. Um, I think I did two of them, and they were they were awesome. Really enjoyed them. Which was like it was mainly a bike race, like time trial. But then on the second one, they would like time you for the a run leg, and they added the times up and then after that one they started like adding people's times up for the swim and the bike and the run you had to all you know video it that was that looked quite good so i did that but yeah the biggest one for me was um the uh, 12 hour time trial um i'd actually did it did it the year before as well so i kind of had an idea of what i was doing and it's not too far away from my house it's about 15 miles so it's easy to get to in the morning and um i knew it was quite a good course so i wanted to have a crack at the british record i kind of did it last year i unofficially did it i broke it but i unfortunately i went a bit wrong on the course so got dq'd and it didn't count but i knew i was capable of doing it this year because the conditions what i did it in the previous year were like way tougher than what was forecast coming up to this one so it was a good opportunity to have a crack and uh, managed to do 325 miles in the 12 hours <laughs> got it by four miles um so that was the highlight and then it was like hoping to do Emberman. Well, actually, I was going to do Emberman before the 12 hour, but unfortunately, that got cancelled in like the week leading up to it. I mean, it got cancelled before, but they took it, they appealed it, and because some events were going on in the local area, it, there was still hope that it was going to happen because there was mass participation races that were going on. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. And then after that, it took, I kind of like did the 12 hour, but then didn't really have nothing else to train for. And uh, it was, well, it was always like up until then that you there was always a race that you thought might happen even if i think subconsciously you knew that it was probably going to get cancelled you kind of kept yourself going and in the end i think that was to be honest a bit of my detriment because i i trained for one race and then it would get cancelled last minute and then you'd think right there's another race in like three or four weeks time or you know five weeks time i'll train for that and you kind of didn't really give yourself time off after each of these cancelled races where you put in some good training and by the time october came i I kind of felt quite fatigued to be honest and there was a few races that was going on then yeah. but I didn't really feel like I was in any shape to actually take part in them so I decided to take three weeks off really yeah so w with regards to the 12 hour sort of TT did you do you do that um, just because it's there and you go this is a cool thing to do and I want to give the UK record a crack or is it part of a longer longer plan going right I really want to try to get you know a specific aspect of my biking up um so i guess yeah what was the motivation to do it or it just because you could do it or or was it part of a bigger picture no it's just to break the record um, yeah. i knew the record was like i could i was capable of doing the record and i wanted to get it i mean to be honest i didn't really train any differently than what i would do for an ironman you know i just did the same training and i had experience of it the year before and i think doing ironman training or Ironman racing is absolutely perfect for something like that because the swim helps your core strength, you know, like gives you a strong core and the gym work you do. And also with, when you're racing an Ironman, for most people it's between like eight and 12 hours. So you, if you can fuel for eight to 12 hours, then you're fueling basically exactly the same as what it would be for a 12 hour, you know, like when I'm mm. doing an Ironman, I thought I'll do the same fueling strategy, but you know, I just keep it going for 12 hours rather than eight hours. Um, and I thought without the impact of the run, it's probably not going to be too dissimilar to uh, an Ironman for me. You know, although I'm out there less time for an Ironman, I think an Ironman is far more intense than a 12-hour cycling time trial. Um, so it kind of it was very it's very similar really in terms of like how they feel and like the mindset of like how you attack it. 
and uh, prepare for it. So you poms are a, are a different breed when it comes to cycling. I can't imagine there's that many 12-hour TTs around the world. Do, do they get much of a turnout? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like There's quite a few in England. I think there's about four or five. And, like, you know, this one, even with COVID going on, then being, you know, uh, not knowing it was going to go ahead until about two, three, about, well, three weeks beforehand, I think we still had, like, 50 people. But, yeah. you know, I did it the previous year. I think we had 120, 130 people, and it was, like, a full, you know, it was it was full. Yeah. That was... Uh, so yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty popular. They really improve your cycling as well. You know, they're really good to do. Okay, like, they do really bring you on, and it is quite a fun challenge. You know, I would say to be honest, an Ironman is tougher than a twelve-hour time trial. Right. Have you done a twenty-four? Like, uh, no. Like, don't be silly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, after doing a twelve-hour, I'm not going to do a twenty-four. Like, it's not so much the physical aspect of the twelve, which is tough, although it, you know it, you because obviously you can like control the pace and I think the fact that you're not actually able to see how your competitors are doing relevant to you makes it um, harder to push yourself as hard but it's the mental aspect of being on the bike for 12 hours not moving trying to hold the aero position and just grinding away that just really breaks you down and like the fact that you know you're out there for 12 hours no matter how quick you go you know like you get to five hours in you've been holding the TT position for five hours and you think to yourself you're not even halfway it's, it's like soul destroying but then once you kind of get over the halfway and you get seven hours in, say, and you're counting down the hours, it it does go a lot quicker. And are you um, are you do you stop for aid stations or do you just have a support crew there just handing off bottles? Uh, how does that sort of aspect work? So I, I had a support crew that was like handing out bottles, um, and like well I didn't really I, and like I'd get like a gel bottle which would have like a load of gels and that would last me for a while. But you can stop, and some people do get off the bike, you know. So you, so, so like, you can stop and take like, well, as long as you want, really. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to, like, some people might have a burger or something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and then some people will swap their bike to like a road bike once it gets to a certain amount of hours, you know, if their back's like playing up. So there's some people, you know, for some people, it's literally just a case of like, you know, completing the, the 12 hours and seeing, you know, how how far you can go, but not like, you know, really pushing it to the max, like going fly, flying through the A stations. But for me because I was going for the record and I'd done it like the previous year and like with the experience of doing the Ironmans I knew I didn't want to stop at an aid station I just had a plan to get bottles and like I would if I wanted something specific next lap I'd tell them you know like energy water or something like that and uh, they would have it ready so like the support crew is like a crucial aspect of it if you want to um, if, if you want to do well yeah um, and the other one I was just going to mention was uh, bloody Ember man I think you went over there for a bit of a training camp and you got your bike bloody necked oh god yeah it was like um like don't ever i would never uh rely on a toolie uh bike rack again like i had it locked on there and um we we were driving down so we drove from norwich and the plan is to drive to the alps all in one go so it's about god off the top of my head it must have been about 900 miles um and we got we've done it a few times before like similar drives to that and got stuck in quite a bit of traffic me and my dad uh getting towards the alps and we thought, well, we're going not we're not going to get to the accommodation till about midnight, so we're coming up to Grenoble. Let's just quickly stop in Grenoble because we we thought it was okay because we'd been there before and it seemed quite a nice place. But yeah. since uh, I've had my bike nicked, apparently it's uh, it's regarded as a bit of a dump and uh, <laughs> it's uh, got a massive reputation for having your bikes nicked. But that was unbeknownst to me at the time. So we stopped there in Grenoble. Thought, right, we'll park the car up. We found a restaurant about 300 meters away. I mean, it was out of sight. It was like 300 meters top, maybe 200 meters away. Um, got some food 
came back literally we were we were left the car and back to the car within an hour and they think my time trial bike only been used about six times it must have had like my mono bar which was like made specifically to me luckily it didn't have race wheels on because we had it on top of the car so they didn't get nicked but then shram etap pretty much uh, you know access which was like brand new and the frame <sighs> which was brand new um and yeah like i i think the guy that probably nicked it uh, probably has never ridden a time trial bike in his life Oh no, what a pain in the ass. Um, yeah. Had three bike racks on the car as well. Three, I mean, three bikes on, on the rack as well. And um, I think, like, someone said they saw him take it and he kind of just, like, uh, muscled it off, you know, even though it was, like, locked on. And I've since that, I've seen that someone else has actually had their bike nicked off a two-lay rack as well when it's been locked on. So, you know, definitely yeah. something. If, if people have got that bike rack, if it was me now, what I would do next time is lock it on with another lock on that if I was going to use it and yeah. put a GPS tracker on the bike, you know, somehow, you know, like even yeah. if it's just sell it, you know, mask and taping it on while you're driving along. Or for me, I've got the little box on the container rule. I could have put it in there. So, yeah. you know, I would definitely take extra security if, if you've got one there. Or even, to be honest, even anyone, if you've got any bike rack, you know, because um, I think like people like that, you know, they're opportunists. And if they know they can get them off like a certain, maybe he's done it before off other bike racks, they'll just do it again. But, you know, it was pretty much a brand new bike. It was worth like 10 grand and that's it. It's just yeah. gone, you know, no sign of it. Went, and the police didn't even care as well. Like, yeah. That was uh, really frustrating. So we went to the police and uh, he basically just said, what do you want us to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, like, find it. It's like, <laughs> like, about as much as my car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, I saw you did, uh, my, my daughter was actually looking at a triathlon book. Uh, my son is reading a book and she was looking over his shoulder going, I want to go, and she pointed to one race. It was like a, it was a race, uh, no, a book with about all different pro athletes from the past and then it profiled different races and there was Challenge Wanaka in there and then there was a picture of Hal Vallon in there and she said, I want to go and do that race. That looks really cool. You run up a mountain. Um, and I know you went and did Hal Vallon. I know Alistair Brownlee went over there and smoked it the day after doing a, um, the World Champs over in Germany. Um, I know your race didn't necessarily go according to plan. May tell us A, about that race and B, about your performance that day. Yeah, it's a really uh, tough race, that is. Um, the water's freezing cold, um, like 13, 14 degrees. I know that's what they said. It might have been colder. Who knows? But all I know is that it felt bloody cold. <laughs> um, the bike course isn't too bad. It's got, it's like undulating and then like towards the end, you've got like a 20-minute climb basically up there, uh, the struggle, which is a bit of a beast. You know, it doesn't really suit me. It's like 17% for like a kilometre then it like eases up a bit and then like towards the top it's about 17% again for about another kilometre or whatever or something like that but it takes about 20 minutes in total uh, and it's pretty much in really steep ramps with like the odd downhill or flat bit so they say the average gradient for the climb is like 8 or 9% but that's because it's got downhills in it you know mm. as well um, so it's a beast and then you don't descend that and then it's pretty flat to the uh, to the end of the bike but the real fun on that race is the run and that is absolutely horrendous um, <laughs> like I probably wouldn't ever do that race again because due to the fact of the run mm. uh, <laughs> like it's, uh, if you like fell running then you know you'd be in your absolute element but i'd never done a fell run in my life and to be honest i thought it was i thought in my head i had it like you know roy's peak in wanaka mm. mm -hmm. I, I thought it would be like running up that i'd seen online that it was about six k to the top five and a half k so and i imagined it would be like running up roy's peak for like six k and then, you know, you'd kind of like have a little bit of a flat plateau on the top and then you'd run down. It'd be a similar gradient to that. But it was so steep. 
that like I couldn't even walk up the climb because my back was in agony. So I would have to constantly stop, stretch my back, and then carry on. And like even guys, when you look at the fastest, like some of the fastest splits up there, like one of my friends, like Pete Dyson, got a really fast time, and he came past me and he was basically just power walking up it. You know, mm. like you, no one can run up it because it's so steep. You just literally, if you can power walk up it you're doing really good but yeah it just absolutely destroyed my back I've, I, to be honest I'd never seen experienced anything like it and I didn't really know what I was letting myself in for but I mean it is it's a unique race I mean the scenery is fantastic and like it was good to do as a check for a challenge you know I mainly did it to see what it was like because it was kind of like a bucket list race and I'd wanted to do it for a long time but yeah it, it was uh very tough like especially the run Hmm. Um, obviously now, you know, we're not certainly not out of this COVID um, malarkey yet and hopefully next season we've got a you know, a somewhat normal season at least at a at a local level, you know, whether it be European and the Americans have their thing and, and Kiwis we sort of have our thing. Has has this whole has this year sort of changed your outlook as as a pro athlete, um and how you sort of embrace the whole you know, your your pro career for, for however long it remains? Um, not really, I wouldn't say, you know, like, um, it would, I wouldn't say it's changed my attitude. I mean, what one, a couple of good things, what I, what have come out of it though, to be honest, is being able to train by yourself more, you know, like, especially in the first lockdown where you had to like, where you pretty much had to train by yourself. It was doing like some hard run sessions and being able to push yourself to do them by, you know, solo, because I know mm. I used to always do them in a group or with other people, but it was great being able to do them by myself because I think it's given you a, you know, I did some of them and I actually hit some really good times and, um, you know, I was literally running over there by myself and it was some days when you weren't feeling really good, you know, you'd get up there and you'd think, oh, you know, like, I'm not sure about this, but then you got stuck in and you actually did a really good session and that kind of has given me the confidence, you know, that in normal training, that if I had to change my training around and do a run session by myself, it wouldn't be too bad, you know, even if I'm going out by myself, you can still battle away and get a, get a quality session in. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it all the time, but if I had to, but other than that, I mean, it's it's just been a bit disappointing really i'd say because i love having races and something to train for you know that's mm -hmm. what really motivates me um so not having like a good goal to to target has been quite difficult but because like you say and although we're not out of the woods now uh, but it is looking like a lot more promising going ahead to next year i've i had to, i have taken some time off already um you know for a bit of an end of season break because I think it's really important, especially for like some of your other listeners, like even though we haven't necessarily done much racing this year, I think it's really important to take a break to give yourself a mental, you know, a charge, uh, a, a chance to mentally uh, rest, you know, because it has been quite stressful, you know, like with, I mean, people might be finding it stressful with their jobs, you know, they might have been training for racing, it's got cancelled, training for another one. And even just like having the, me the mental energy for motivating yourself all the time to go solo sessions or even like online you know if you're doing a lot of your trainings on like online platforms like Zwift or Superfest or something like that you know it all takes its toll and I think taking some time off giving yourself to, uh, a chance to recharge do some other things you know and uh, put your feet up for a bit and then look ahead to next year and potentially start racing in like March April time will will make the world a difference so that's what I'm kind of doing now you know I've taken some time off and I'm like in a really good place like feel super motivated for next year and um, aiming to start racing in March really so next year is it going to be a sort of similar, you know, again, let, let's assume it's going to be a normalish sort of year. Um, is it sort of 
pretty similar for you in terms of you know maybe an early season Ironman, a mid season, and then uh, and then try to ramp it up for Kona. Basically, so if we assume that like everything went perfect, you know, from now to like Kona, you know, in terms of like COVID, you know, and uh, injuries and all that kind of stuff, which um, you know you can never control, but like assuming it did, I would love to race Ironman New Zealand, mm-hmm. um, Ironman South Africa, and then I'd like to build up for uh, Challenge Roth, um, do that, and then go for Kona. Nice. Very good. So, Maybe not South Africa after New Zealand. It would be like I would enter it and then see how it went, you know, and everything. But I would love to race New Zealand. If I could just pick three, it would be New Zealand, Roth, and then Kona. Like, that's if, if I could. If, if that was possible, that would be, like, my perfect uh, situation. Well, it seems to be a formula that's working pretty well over the last couple of years. Um, one race that is happening, but you're not there, is going to be Daytona um, this weekend. You know, fingers crossed. What is it? Today's uh, Tuesday in New Zealand. The race is on next Monday, so fingers crossed it should all be happening. Um, I guess first up, what's your sort of feel from a, from a pro athlete's perspective on the concept of this race? You know, there's um, over a million dollars on the line. Um, it's sort of not quite a half Ironman. Um, what, do you, what, what are your sort of feelings? towards the, the, the sort of championship race well so my views on the race distance are probably going to be a bit against what it is because as far as I can see these are just my personal views but with the PTO being a long distance organisation and uh, picking events for long distance pros I would have liked to have seen the race distance between an, uh, an, a half Ironman and an Ironman so maybe something like you know the ITU long, world, world mm. long distance champs uh, distance to so say like a 3k 120 30k run Mm-hmm. where you have like the half distance guys versus the Ironman guys but then I would also say if you wanted to invite the ITU guys as well you know by all means invite them all and say look you, you know how they've done the wild cards this time mm. but then it would be them stepping up to a long distance race and taking on the Ironman guys and the half Ironman guys at that distance because that's what the organisation is there for you know or supposed to be supporting you know the longer distance guys and it would be them taking us on at our distance if, if you know what I mean mm. Yeah, without it, drafting as well. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, so, is in terms of you not being there, was that a case of you know you, you you're having a bit of bit of a break, or were you thinking, even if I'm in my best shape and I go over there, it's going to be pretty hard to to make some good money with those um, those ITU guys at going over a shorter distance. Well, I would have loved to have done it, and I was planned on doing it, but I got to like October time and. Um, I was just feeling really fatigued, to be honest. Like I was having some sessions where I was absolutely like struggling to hit like threshold powers on the bike and not feeling good. And then like the next day, I might feel all right going for a run. It just went on for, you know, if it goes on for a week, you kind of think, well, you know, I'll play it by ear and see how it goes. And it kind of went for a three or four week period, really. Like I guess like middle of September to middle of October, and eventually got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to have to take some time off and call it a day because like I'm just feeling a bit fatigued, you know. Mm. Um, so I took three weeks off and then it was obviously that Daytona wasn't going to happen, you know, because if I'm taking three weeks off, I'm going to build up for next year. And there's no way, as you know, that you can take three weeks off um, mm. in October time and then do four weeks of training after a four week, after a three week break and expect to do well at a race like Daytona or to be honest, any professional race, you know, mm. they're so competitive now that that's the writings on the wall. But I just had to because I was just feeling too fatigued, really. And like, I just wouldn't have done myself justice. Mm. Um but one thing I will say about Daytona is that although it's, uh, a lot of the ITU guys are going and it is a shorter race format, if they have it as a 20-meter draft rule, it, it's, I think there's going to be quite a few of the long-distance guys that are going to be up there because 
a 20 meter draft rule in my experience after racing them is an absolute game changer because there's no benefit on the bike uh, at all um, it completely neutralizes the swim so it almost makes it in effect that it doesn't matter how well you swim if you get out in a pack because as soon as you get on the bike there is no pack because at 20 meters you don't get anything you know mm. like you can see someone in front of you but if you haven't got the legs it makes bugger all difference whereas like at 10 meters like when they say 10 meters realistically it's eight meters mm. you know like mm. and when you're like six or seven person in a 10 in a what's supposedly a 10 meter drafting line the guy on the front might be putting out 350 watts but i'm i've experienced it before and i've been sat in i'm putting out 180 watts mm. you know and that's why the swim's so crucial because you know if i'm doing two hours at 180 watts and someone's trying to bridge up to me and they're doing 350 watts they're going to get to the run they're cooked aren't they you know and i've just done 170 watts and it's actually like a nice warm-up for a half ironman mm. but when i've raced 20 meters before i've raced in denmark and i've raced in challenge goodbye when they did it and when someone comes past you and you're like 20 meters and although they say it's 20 meters you might actually be 16 meters but you know mm. 16 meters you really get anything and you've got nothing like i've had guys come past me like and uh, i've tried to go with them and like all they come past you if it was 10 meters you you up your power for a bit because they come back with a surge and then all of a sudden you find that you're actually doing 20 or 30 watts less but going faster but at 20 meters they come past you you up it try and stay with them and you think jesus it's just not settling down and mm. it is settling down he's just going his constant pace he doesn't have to worry about dropping you but you're then trying to ride at his power which might be 30 watts more and you just you can't do that you know you can only go at 30 watts harder for like x amount of time because you've already been trying to go as fast as you can over the distance so you know if it's a 20 meter draft rule it will be a game changer if it's a 10 meter drafting zone then what you're going to end up finding is that you get a group that swims well at the front uh, a pace line on the bike and then it's going to be a running race yeah. that's uh, a 20 meter draft zone it's going to be a completely different ball game because then not only you can get people that are quick runners but there's a hell of a lot of difference between getting off the bike and running well when you've only been putting out 200 watts then getting out and uh running well over 15k when you've been putting out over 320 or 330 watts you know that's uh that's a game changer so what, what do you think you know if we look at guys who've got a somewhat similar profile to you you know guys like say lionel sanders keen lay maybe worth um he obviously doesn't run as well as you guys do so you, if it's a 20 meter zone if they are policing that you're thinking you're giving them a you know a chance maybe not necessarily for the win but to actually be competitive because i think i'm with you if it's a 10 meter draft zone those itu guys are just going to be able to absolutely cook it and and save enough energy for the run but do you think that those guys have got a chance you know similar guys to you um well, if it's ab- 20 meters absolutely uh, especially lionel sanders um because you know say if it's 20 meter draft zone he might lose three and a half minutes on the swim worst case scenario for him it might be four minutes and his best case is probably going to be two and a half minutes really it's going to be somewhere around that um but then interestingly for lionel um he's proved his bike form at the moment with the hour records you know on the track because it's a legit um records you know because he's not getting draft it's not a time trial where you can sometimes get cars that you know pace you along just from the traffic count you know that's on the velodrome there's no wins you're out there for an hour completely by yourself so you can see he's done 51ks and then obviously you can see what kind of shape he's in compared to other pro cyclists that have done the record so alex dalsett when he got the world record i think did like just over a kilometer further than that so he's obviously comparable to you know not he's not cycling too much worse than what they were when they broke the hour record so it shows that his form's good in the bike um, he recently did like a 1430 something 5k on the track solo mm. um, 
So, you know, you get him in the, on the race on the track and he could be knocking in like a 14-20, 14-15. But the interesting thing with Lionel is, when you look at him run, he hasn't got a run technique for a fast 5K, has he? Mm. So, if Lionel's running well for 5K and knowing how much he likes to hurt himself, if he gets in there with a sniff of a chance of winning over to 15K, I think he's going to be extremely difficult to beat because I can see him holding, you know, 305K pace, 310s for the 15K off the bike because he just he just doesn't know how to quit does he <laughs> you know especially on that distance he'll be relishing the challenge won't he i mean you see his videos he's just angry and pissed off isn't he all the time. <laughs> you know he's just gonna be like oh yeah he's just gonna be on like he's gonna be he's gonna be looking forward to that um keenly i think uh you know he'll he, he could be up there i mean when he's on his day he's done some good runs for you know this is like going for the, like talking about the long distance guys you know potentially at the moment um Sam Long, he's going well. I I don't know how he'll run compared to the short distance guys though. You know, um, he's cycling well. If he can get off the bike with them, and it's been a hard bike, I think. Look, to be honest, I think the only way the long distance guys can can get uh, a decent result, and when I say decent, top ten, top five, you know, something like that mm-hmm. in this race, is if the bike's fast mm-hmm. and it's twenty meter draft zone. If the bike's not fast and people aren't working hard on the bike, I think that it plays into the ITU guys hands and we're going to see a have you know more of a top five with the itu guys um but if it's a fast bike i think and everyone's had to work very hard on the bike you know working towards their limit then i think it plays into the long distance guys hands and i know that you can say that a lot of itu guys do do well at the 70.3s normally you know like the world champs and stuff but them 70.3s have been a 10 meter draft zone and as I said before, a 10 meter draft zone does play into more of their hands because you get pace lines on the bike and you can massively profit from the pace lines when you get out of the water in the group, mm-hmm. um, which we're not going to get in this one. You know, if you did the world championships quite often, they were 20 meter draft zones. There would be no packs, you know, mm-hmm. and everyone would have to go full gas on the bike, you know, to stay in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes it a completely different animal. But to, to be honest, my, my favorite for the race, I think Alistair Brownlee. Yeah. yeah. Like I can't, I, I can't see... I think it's going to be extremely difficult for someone to beat him. I think he's, you know, he's at the front on the swim. Like looking at his ITU races this year, he's led out at the hung, uh, um, the World Champs in Hamburg on the swim. So you know his swim's good. You know he's leading out. If you're leading out of an ITU race, well, WTS race, then you're arguably one of the top swimmers in triathlon in the world, aren't you? You know, like mm. so, we know he's like swimming at the front. His bike's, he's quick on the bike. He's very aero. He's used to riding on the TT position. So that's not going to be a problem. He's definitely going to be forcing the pace on the bike, especially if it's a 20-meter draft zone, because how he races is pretty similar to Lionel, I think. You know, he just wants to suffer. He wants to like take the pace on. And then we've seen in the short-distance racing, we've seen him get quicker and quicker as the season's gone on. And I think Vincent Louis only beat him in a sprint finish at the last race in the 5K. Mm. And in fairness, Alistair's sprint distance racing is his weakest probably racing. You know, in Olympic distance draft race, he'd be you'd uh, put your money on him doing better. And then I think in a non-drafting race of this distance, he's got to be the favourite. If he's running that well at the 5K and with his experience of riding the TT bike and his wind tunnel testing he's done, his position's going to be very aero. He's used to riding the TT bike and he's got experience of like fueling and running well for 20K off the bike. I mean, I know this is 15K, but I think that only plays into his hands more, to be honest. Mm. Uh, good times. So you gonna, are you going to do an all-nighter and stay up and watch it? It's pretty uh, pretty early hours in the morning for you, for at least for the men's race. I, I don't actually know what time it is. What time is it? Um, I think the women's is at 9pm your time, and I think the men's probably is like 
midnight or something like that start time. There's your opportunity to do like a 24 hour uh, record on on the on Zwift or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be doing an all nighter for it. Yeah, I've done it. Oh yeah, one of the challenges what I had to do. Go back to think about it, it was the Red Bull 24 hour challenge, and that was bizarre. Teams of four. 25 hours. Yeah, it was when the uh, winter solstice. So um, when the clocks went back, you you know, uh, or it was on the yeah. night when the clocks went back, and there was four of us, and we had to ride an hour each in so every four hours you were doing an hour's ride and yeah. it went all the way through the night um until like 12 basically started at 12 p.m finished at 12 p.m the next the following day and uh yeah that was bizarre that was crazy were you it going terrible f- were well. you going full gas for an hour or were you moderate or full on yeah like moderate really yeah. i had a power out yeah there was a power out where you had to go pretty quick so i pushed it a bit for that because the miles got doubled but nice. it was <laughs> It was mainly the challenge of being out there, but that was pretty crazy because it was really windy that night and it was raining. And I, I, you could count your t- your miles on Zwift did count as well if you wanted to them on that. But I thought the challenge is uh, getting out on the roads and actually trying, you know, forcing yourself, you know, because you'd have like an hour kip. And I remember one of them, I think it was like two o'clock in the morning or no, even four o'clock in the morning. So I had an hour kip, you know, I just rode at like midnight or one o'clock and then I had to go out again at like four in the morning. It's dark, it's windy, it's <laughs> wet. You feel like death. But um, yeah, it was an awesome challenge. Okay, cool. <laughs> Mental one. Um, and final thing I've got for you is just yeah, plugging plugging yourself because you, you're doing um, you seem to be doing quite a lot more of the videos and sort of trying to give a bit more insight into you know some of your training sessions. So maybe just maybe just talk us through through that. And if people want to follow what follow what you're doing, um, you know where, where where's the best place to do that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, just before that though, uh, John. Who, so who are your tips then for the? Uh, for the for the because I'd be interested to hear what you what you think. Yeah, well, I was kind of was leaning much more towards the ITU guys. Um, I think one of the things that I'm intrigued to see is yet yeah, not just the drafting the 20 meter zone, but actually whether it whether you have to stay in a single line. You know, because we've obviously got no cars on the road there, so potentially you know you've got a pretty wide track. I've got no idea how wide this track at Day- Daytona is, but you know you could potentially be riding you know two or three abreast. Whether they're going to allow that or not I'm not quite sure um, but I'm kind of with you and, and I don't know if it's 20 metres or not I assumed it is um, but I'd still have a bit of money on uh, the old Norwegian um, Gustav Eden you know the 70.3 world champ um, but yeah my pick was much was much the same as you in terms of Alistair Brownlee um, pretty much dominating the dojo given his recent form so I think um, and then the other one Gomez is probably always the one who's a bit iffy. Um, depends how hard the bike ride is. If the bike ride's not super hard, then um, then I think he'll certainly be in the mix. So yeah, kind of probably swaying a bit more towards the the ITU fellas. But I am fascinated to see how Lionel Sanders goes, um, and likewise Cam Worth. You know, given he's been doing a bit more cycling, so he could could be on form. But probably for me, the the more interesting race is actually going to be the females one because I think that's a lot more wide open. You haven't got Daniela Reef, you haven't got Lucy Charles, um, so I think that's quite a wide open race. So men's is going to be interesting, but women's is a bit more, um, bit more open. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, one man who I think people haven't been talking about, who is a dark horse, he's won some 7.3s this year, is actually Rudy von Berg. Mm, yeah, like pack swimmer, very strong cyclist, and he's actually a decent runner. Um, you know, so I think he's actually someone to uh, really watch out for. I think he was third or fourth in World 70.3s in Nice last year. Yeah. And he really took it on the bike, you know, tried to drop everyone in the sense. So I think he's 
I wouldn't say he is a dark horse because he's a quality athlete, but no one's been talking about him. Yeah. And um, I think he could be one to really watch out for. Good times. That should be good. Okay, so yeah, just a little bit about yourself, what you've been up to with your with your sort of video blogs and um, and what you sort of got got in the pipeline and uh, and yeah, if people want to follow you, how they do that. Yeah, so I've got some video uh, videos what I've been posting on YouTube, and uh, if you search for Joe Skipper, you'll probably come across me on there. Um, and you can follow like my, some of my training. We do some like funny ones as well where we like um, mess around. You'll you'll get the gist if you see them. Uh, like the Red Bull ones going up, so people can see what that was actually like riding for 25 hours it's not on there yet but it should be going up very soon um and also you can see like what my trainers like to build up to some races um best thing to do is just have a little look and see but they're yeah we, we they're quite funny <laughs> and uh you can also follow me on like instagram so not an average joe and uh twitter as well though i don't post too much on twitter you probably best is like instagram and youtube really brilliant or- but, but yeah thanks for um, thanks for getting me on the show John always good to talk to you yeah no great we know you're a crowd favourite and we'll hopefully see you back racing sometime soon and uh, maybe down in New Zealand if not this summer at least next summer so uh, good times thanks for your time Joe thanks thanks for having me cheers bye so why, So first of all why is he no, I'm just, I know I've listened Bevan I'm not I know gonna... I know but I want to know why is he not racing because he's just got to the end of the season so that we're, and he had a few false starts in terms of races got cancelled and just uh, ended up being a bit smoked so he's just sort of going I'm just going to call my jets and get ready for next year call my jets mm. I'm gutted I, I had to unfortunately I've got a bit of a back injury and I had to get a scan this morning and couldn't be there I'm gutted because he's such a great interview he is indeed oh, he's such a great interview okay John let's do it one two three four <laughs> high, high five. five okay John's done a quick high five here Five things John learnt from race directing at the weekend. What were you doing on the weekend? So I had my first triathlon oh, of the season. And my, well, the timing guy said, this is the first triathlon I've timed since March. And uh, so it was good to be back race directing. I don't get stressed with races, but there's a shitload going on. And it was a new venue, so 100% new course. Better uh, venue? Pros and cons. Yep. It is a nice venue. But I had a few challenges on the day. So I thought just for some... If you want to be race director or whatever, I just thought these were five points that I thought of after the race. And they're not, I'm trying not to be negative, but some of them are a bit negative. <laughs> so number one. I have no people there. <laughs> yeah. Number one, keep it simple for kids racing. And by kids, I'm talking, I had a five to nine year olds race, which yep. is a lot of fun. They cannot count to two. Uh, a mean? lot of the kids. They do two laps? So in the swim, you basically have them wading through the water. And so for the five and six-year-olds, they just did one little loop. And it, by a loop, um, it's yeah, a 20-meter run, run yeah. through the water, and then you, you, you stay they, on the grass. They get wet. You get wet. Yeah. And then for the seven, eight, nines, you did two laps of that. And the amount of seven, eight, nines that came out after one lap and tried to run off to transition, you're going, get back in the water. I've told you like 10 times, you're doing two laps. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. And then I had the same thing on the bike. So it was... It's just a bit of a rookie era in terms of I've had kids races before, but I haven't made them do laps. On the bike, so many kids did not do two laps, and it just screws up your results, and you don't want to be mean to kids and disqualify them. <laughs> I had one girl that came in. You're like, you're like the, the, the Christmas Grinch. One girl that came in, and she was coming in at the same time as some of the, far, the leading guys, yep. and so I was like, there's no way you've done two laps. She racks her bike, and I looked her in the face and said, have you done two laps? And she just looked at me, she paused, and she says, I do not know. I said, but did you go out and then you came back? <laughs> That's totally logical. And then you've gone out and back again. I don't know. So I said, go to another lap. 
so that's point number one. Keep things kid, simple for kids racing. One lap only. <laughs> one Number one only. Number, number two, two, John, what do you got here? Reinforce that dogs should not be brought to events. Oh. You animal owners, leave them at home. Does my head in. Yep. One day of the year, just leave them at home. So what, people bring dogs? Yeah, like spectators, not obviously athletes. Yep. And like they're just shitting everywhere and just getting in the way. It's like... Do you say that? Do you put that on your... Well, I think I have it in my fine print somewhere, but I'm going to now make a bigger point that leave your bloody animals at home. Was I'm there not one an animal in particular? Yeah, there's a couple. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, was going to, I was aiming for the rent there, team. Uh, number three, assume the worst case when it comes to traffic and traffic management. So this yeah. course that I used, it was on... Part of the set course was on a, a perfectly fine, no road, no cars whatsoever. The middle part of the course, you had this little stretch where it's a busy road, but on a Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, I'd done enough tests to think, I think this is going to be okay. There's a little bit of traffic, but it's not too bad. However, I should have assumed it was going to be worse than what it was because what happened, we had a like a T intersection, well, no, an intersection where athletes turned left off this main road yep. and then they did an out and back. And when they came back, then they had to make a right-hand turn. Okay. And so what happened is then we had just had this bottleneck um, of of cars had, that had to stop to give way to the athletes that were coming back and making a right-hand turn, but all the athletes that were coming out were then stuck in a line of traffic. So that was a bit of operator, race director error that mm-hmm. I'll learn from for next year. So whenever you're dealing with traffic, assume really worst case level and then take it a couple more notches. Okay. Um, now point number four, spectators are generally morons. <laughs> Um, so dog owners keep your dogs at home dog, dog owners are the worst spectators obviously yeah there's a scale here yeah they, they are just don't even come parents are the next level by pain, far pain in the butt parents yeah yeah and then you just slowly start to work you through the way through why the parents oh they're just just at the top. they just want to race for their kids and they're just it's like you can explain it five times and then they'll explain it another five and they'll just stand around on the start line it's like go away let your kids just have some fun but just spectators you just you rope off areas, and I mean, it had some fencing, but it wasn't hard fencing all the way, and then you have some sort of taped yeah. off. They'll just go straight on the tape, and it's like far out. I nearly dropped an F-bomb there. <laughs> There's tape there for a reason. They'll just stand in the middle of the course, and I'm like, what are you doing? Get behind the fence. I think we should call this a high five to get John in front of Oh, God. <laughs> so what, did you, did you tell them off? Yes, and I get pretty blunt after a while. Yeah. It's like, get they can see the kids are running towards them and they're still standing in the middle of the track. I'm like, far out, morons. Anyway, on a more positive note, number five, be grateful. And I think a lot of you... <laughs> be grateful. <laughs> be grateful. We are, I feel extremely fortunate oh, okay. down yeah. here that we... You can have an angry race director. Well, no, that we've got racing. And I think hopefully when we come out of COVID, one thing we can all be is a bit more grateful for what we've got when we've got oh, it. Because when it's taken away, you go, holy shit, this really sucks. Uh, so I was feeling extremely grateful that A, you know, from a business point of view, I'm able to organise races, but grateful for the athletes that have got something to do. And we're extremely fortunate to do that. So hopefully that's something positive that comes out of this whole uh, COVID schmozzle. I'm going to add one thing, and you already know this, people don't read the manual. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> You're going to get the same stupid questions asked oh 100 times. God. <laughs> I did pull out that call a couple of times. Somebody said, ask some questions. So what do we do at the finish here? And I said, it's in the manual. Yeah. It's in you the kind manual. of got to point them back, don't you? You do? Yeah. Uh, I literally, I was literally... <laughs> 
10 seconds before starting one of the groups. Yep. And I was literally staring at the, the timing guy's um, phone and it was like 10, 9. And somebody came up to my ear and it was about to ask a question. I said, no, go away. <laughs> and it was somebody who was about to start the duathlon at the same time saying, do we start now as well? And I'm like, and, I, and, then, and then she had, she got a late start because of her, <laughs> because, she didn't, because she didn't read the manual. <laughs> Read the manual. I put a video together and everything. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's the that's, that's high five. Let how, to get, how to get a race director angry? Okay, Joy team. Let's do winger of the week. I'm going to say number twenty-two. Number twenty-two. Number twenty-two. Mac Kennedy. He did sixteen hours and twenty-three minutes of training last week off thirteen activities. He swam one hour and forty-one minutes. He biked seven hours thirty-seven and rode seven. And ran seven hours and four minutes. Jeez, it's that's quite a good a, solid week, isn't it? Yeah, nearly ran more than he rode. So good work, Mac. Uh, he's from Mac. Australia. That's about all we know. They really don't give you a lot here sometimes on here. So he's from Australia. He let's do the comparison. Yep. So running wise, oh, my comparison's not. Oh, no, no, okay, okay. Um, he's a pretty good runner. Longest bike ride, 239.9 kilometres. Biggest climb, 1,533. That's a pretty decent old uh, climb. half. Nice work. Yeah, he's done the yards. So, Mac Kennedy, you are our wanger, wanger of the, of the week. week. Okay, John, do your swim set. Swim set. Today's swim set. It was a survival test today because we had horrific weather. So today's Tuesday. Oh, yeah, outside still. Yeah. Uh, we had Tuesday, today's Tuesday morning. My race was on Sunday. Thankfully, the weather was pretty good. Monday, the weather was miserable and freezing freaking cold. So we went to the pool this morning thinking, it's going to be cold, and it was bloody freezing. So we started off, we did a 900 warm-up. We were doing 200 free, 100 IM, three times through. I was trying to keep things pretty long so we didn't stand around. Then we did three times through, 400 steady, 100 very hard. We weren't having much rest because it was so bloody cold. 100 easy. And then we finished off with what's called a bit of loco, where you go loco. one length moderate, one length easy, two lengths moderate, two lengths easy, three lengths moderate, three lengths easy, four, four, and then we worked our way back down. And it was so cold, didn't even do a warm down. Oh, well. <laughs> 3.6 Ks all up. An hour? Uh, it's just a little bit over. A little bit over. What's the longest swim you do? Like in just your regular training? Three and, a, three and a half to four. Okay. Yeah. Generally anywhere between three and four. Um, but on December 23rd. We're doing 10. What are you going to do on one? Well, this we swim in the world's slowest, officially the world's slowest swimming pool. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, so I think we'll probably do them on the 140, I think. Possibly even the 145. Now, do you only have people who can do it on the 145 or is everyone... No, we have a couple of lanes going. So we'll probably have a 140 lane, maybe 150 lane and maybe a two-minute lane. That takes a while to do 100 100s on two minutes. It's a few hours, isn't it? Mm. So we need it to be somewhat warm if it's cold like today. It ain't happening. Put your wetsuit on. No, I'm not doing 10k in a wetsuit in a swimming pool. <laughs> That's just silly, Bevan. Okay, John, let's talk about our patrons. Uh, first of all, we're going to say a big thank you to Nemo, uh, sorry, Nemo Dory Branch. Uh, Robert, give me more. We've got Jeremy the Canadian Hopwood. What's a Canadian? Well, because he lives in Canada, but he's Australian, oh, so I've right. got Canadian no, Australian. No, yeah, nice. uh, and Skip Slade. Peanuts. Good work. Okay, guys, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.imtalk.me. It's pretty obvious. Just support the show, support the boys and what we do, get some gifts and so on. Uh, thank you to people who already are a patron. It really does help us do what we do. Um, for sponsor, 
The Legends brand. Mm. Check it out, thelegendsbrand.com slash IMT. Use promo code IMT20 for 20% off for all our American listeners. And then we've also got John's coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. My podcast, I was released one yesterday, bevanjabsoshow.com. Other content, age group of the week, cool websites, other feedback, again, email either imtalkpodcast at gmail.com or just go to the website, it's on there as well. John, you goss. Got to do one more plug. We mentioned, I was uh, thinking about this camp, um, sort of a mini epic camp oh, that I right. mentioned last week around the top of the South Island, which will be in April next year. Um, I've got good interest in it so far, so if you are keen, get on it. Go to epiccamp.com. You'll see upcoming camps, and it's going to be in April, five, four days, five nights. Uh, it's going to be awesome. We're going to do four different swims at different beaches all around the sort of Nelson, Tasman region. Some epic bike riding, uh, cool people, and it's going to be good times. So get in touch because uh, it seems to be pretty popular, which is great. Yeah. Uh, other than that, Bevan, my race week was dominated by race organising, which is always uh, good. So, fun. Wait, did the kids race go ahead, or did you end up cancelling it? We cancelled it. It was yes, the next the day, all right? It was. Oh, don't you hate that? So, you, if you listened last week, we had this primary and intermediate schools race for the Wednesday. We record on Tuesdays. Weather forecast was looking diabolical, and it was diabolical everywhere except bloody Christchurch. There was flooding all around the country and stuff. But down here, we got a little bit of rain. It was really windy. You could have hit the race, but. Could have had the race. It probably would have been a bit miserable. But gutting. Um, outside of that, Bevan, so my week was dominated by getting ready for that. This week, I've got the kids alone at home. Wife's going away to paint the batch in Kiteri Terry. She's going up to paint the batch? With the with the sister and the mother. That's good. So we got you just came that well, didn't you? Yeah. Well, so we got the weekend at home. She's going for the, the whole week? Weekend. Friday, oh. Saturday, Sunday. Can I'll probably paint. end up pissed every night. So They're going to paint the batch in three days? Yep. Is it possible? Yep. Yeah, you do a coat a day. It's probably two coats, I imagine. Yeah. So, what about the prep? The prep's where the work Maybe is. Friday's the prep. Maybe Friday's prep and then you do a couple of coats. What kind of, what kind of batch is it? Is it like a wood? A wood, yep. Okay. How big's the batch? Sorry? How big's the batch? It is one, two, three, four bedrooms. Oh, so it's a big, two, big size. Two bathrooms. Big living? Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, it's a good batch. Nice big deck. It's not really a batch. It's like a house. Yeah, it's pretty. It's batchy. It's batchy house. We've done it up pretty well. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, Bevan. Uh, How long has it been in the family for? Uh, 15 years. Oh so, like oh, so it's not like, you know, no. 56 years ago someone... No, no. So outside of that, Bevan, I'll be watching... Well, Daytona will be on Monday in New Zealand times. So looking forward to see... A, the race, but also the production. There's been a lot of hype around it, mm. so I'm kind of interested to see how that goes. Four in the morning it starts here, doesn't it? No, uh, yeah, the women's race. The men's is pretty pretty friendly time. What, time? what did I put? I put, yeah, I put actually it in the show notes here. So men's race, Daytona women starts at 4 a.m. New Zealand, uh, 8 a.m. for the men's. Yeah, big uh, so Aussies, you've got a bit of an early start, 2 a.m. for the men's, but 6 a.m. for the, no, 2 a.m. for the women's, 6 a.m. for the men's. It's a good time for the Europeans. The, the Poms, uh, you guys get a bit of an all-nighter if you want to watch it. So that, looking forward to that. And... Today is first day of advent calendar, Bevan. What kind of advent calendar you got? Lint chocolates. Well, that's a good, you must be you must be making the Bitcoin, mate. So you get one lint chocolate every day. That's pretty good. Yeah, that great they are, chocolates. Those, those sort of ball ones. Oh, they are John, delicious. The strawberry ones, even the white chocolate ones. Oh, uh, yeah, everything. Yeah. Oh, so I got that waiting for me. Well, I bought an advent calendar a couple of years ago. Joe was not happy with me. Really? You know, sometimes people get irrationally angry. Actually, you do it all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, she got really upset with me because I got some shitty warehouse event, and I thought it's just good fun. And, and then after about five days, they were gone. Uh. She was like, "We're not buying crap like this." Yeah. 
but quality. Maybe, maybe we've got lint. Go sneak, go go after today's show, go get one. Can you get quality. sticker bar one? Sorry? Can you get Snickers bars ones? No, go get one. Okay. Just go down to the, they'll be at the supermarket. What's your favourite treat? Uh, salt and chips, without doubt. <laughs> yeah, without <laughs> doubt. Love them. What about you? When you eat your chips, are you, are you a sucker or, or just kill them? Just kill it. Oh, they see, I'm a sucker. Yeah, right. They don't last long around our house. So on a Friday, my Friday's because Friday's my day off. Friday fun day. Fun day Friday. And it's also a bit of a cheat day with food. I don't call it a cheat day, but it's the one day where I'll just go a bit cray-cray on the food. Mm-hmm. And if I watch a movie, because we're lucky we've got the big drop-down screen, so I, I drop down the screen, put a movie on, big bottle of Coke, uh, Coke Zero. Yeah. No sugar, no sugar. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. fine. That's and then good, good for you, a bag stuff. of salt and vinegar chips yeah. and a Snickers bar. And I freeze the Snickers bar, put that in the freezer as I start the movie, and I suck the chips. Mm. So I basically, I, 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 the whole chips will pretty much last me the whole movie. Yeah. And then about halfway through the movie, I have a pause. Yeah. Go and get my little Snickers bar out, frozen. I don't like the frozen bars. No, because you get to suck the flavor out. Because mm. you, you got to, John, when you have treats, you got to put it on them. That's my strategy. What, what's your what, favorite go, sweet go, treat? Go, what is it? What's our motto down here? Go hard, go early. With COVID? Yep, yep. Yeah, that's what you got to do with your eating as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, we love lives as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what, uh, what's your favourite sweet treat? You were just, just you were saying that. The pixie caramel is pretty good. Oh, Longer lasting chew. Yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah. Mm, Longer lasting chew. Yeah. Mine's Snickers. Crunchies are good as well. Joe loves a crunchy. When yeah. you, how do you eat a crunchy? Quickly. Oh, John, you have no strategy. <laughs> really. Do you not do that? Eat the sides and take the chocolate off first thing? Uh, no, I, I know what you're meaning. Occasionally, when you eat a girl guy's biscuit, do you do you eat out the that's badge? Different. Then you eat out the badge. <laughs> that's, that's okay. different. That's yeah, okay. that's you eat out the badge. These are very Kiwi brands. You probably you guys most of you international guys. Girl guy biscuits are basically like it's a fundraising thing they do, and it's basically a biscuit with the girl guy badge. It's a, it's a like a wine, but it's just a base, the most basic <laughs> biscuit you can get. But you still buy three boxes. Although they have them. chocolate on them nowadays, they do. so they are pretty good. And what and it's almost like the human challenge to to see if you can eat the whole thing. And get the badge out perfectly, isn't it? It is, and it's quite satisfying, isn't it? I haven't done that for a few years. <laughs> so, wait a second. Any other any other questions around food? No. What's your favourite Christmas pudding? Um, my favourite pudding of all time is always creme brulee. So that's just my default uh, go-to. Can you make a creme brulee? No, don't really try. I just leave it to the experts. It's a bit of an art form, isn't mm. it? And pavlova is pretty close second. I love a Christmas pudding. Mm. Oh, John, Christmas put hot brandy brandy butter. Uh, what do you, do you put that on top of it? Yeah. No, I've never tried that. Oh, brandy butter. It's basically sugar <laughs> mixed with butter with some brandy in it. Do you, do you like that? It's you don't want too much of it. <laughs> yes. it's, it's pretty full on. So for me, Christmas pudding. So because on Christmas Day I go crack around the food. We're only on the first of December. John, we've got, we've got first a month of Christmas. Of, we've got a month of content. On Christmas, Christmas Day, do you content. eat too much? Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. So I eat too much. It's a one day where I Friday, Friday. I, I go a bit crazy, but it's not cray, 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 cray. Mm. Christmas Day, it is all on. Mm. And I wake up by myself on Christmas Day because my wife leaves me. My daughter's left home. Mm-hmm. So I wake up by myself. So I make myself a really beautiful bacon breakfast. But the last thing I have after Christmas lunch or dinner is a Christmas pud, cream, custard, and I eat till I'm sick, John. Mm. Uh, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a bottle of cream on there. That's what you've got to do. <laughs> then you sit down. And what's the first thought you have after that? Sleeping, you just oh no, mine is maybe I shouldn't have had so much. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Uh, anything else, John? That's it. I'm going mountain biking now, going to the adventure park.
Which, which, which lane you're going to go down? Oh, watch yeah. it as you come down. I'm going to go down, lowest rider, and then I've got to get back up the bloody hill. I'm going to go up Uncle Worsley Spur, which I haven't biked up since the fires, so I've only ever biked up there once, so that could be quite a challenge, you've I got, think. He's got the new Flash Cube bike, haven't you? Mm. Wide handlebars, what's that about? Just more balance, I suppose. Yeah, it must yeah. be. Yeah. Bikes are bigger nowadays, aren't they? They are. You know, like, yeah. Oh, let's wrap it up, John. You're talking too much. <laughs> I'm Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.